Pastor Philip was preaching, uh, well, when he began to preach, in my head was, was the thought, is the word I've got for tonight really what I should be doing? And, you know, sometimes you have a wee hour of doubt, and you're like, Lord, is this definitely the right word in this season? Is, is, this, is this what you have for tonight? And when Pastor Philip began to preach, and it'll become apparent as we go through the message tonight, my mouth nearly dropped open. I realized that, oh my goodness, this is, this is so in touch with, with where God is taking us and, and what God is saying to us in this season. Um, tonight really is called this, the church that God sees. You might see a familiar church in that picture. The church that God sees. What do you think of? What comes into your mind's eye? What do you see in your head? What picture do you get when I say the word simply church or the church? Maybe for you, it's the building. Or maybe for you, it's a really specific memory that that sticks out in your head. Maybe it was an experience that you have or a certain song or hymn that your mind immediately goes to. Or maybe for you, it's people that you think of. It's maybe people who you grew up with in church or people who you're friendly with in church or if you come from maybe a background where a lot of your family are saved, maybe when you think of church, your mind immediately goes to family. And tonight I want to talk about this. What does God see when he sees the church? What does God see when he sees the church? And how do we become the church that God sees? Now I'm going to read through a couple of things here. And lads in the box, or Emma, should I say, Emma's on words tonight. Keep it there. You're going to have to go quick now because I'm going to go quick. Okay, you've got to keep up. Ready? Okay. This is the church, scripturally speaking. And this is a five through. But this is the church that God sees. Ready, Emma? Raise you. Light bringing, good news talking, holiness walking, God worshiping, lost searching, sinner baptizing, fruit displaying, gift stirring, sick healing, demon defeating, city transforming, freedom declaring, generously giving, restoration bringing, hell defying, glorious church. Glorious church. This is the church that God sees. And whether you and I can sometimes see with the same perspective and see with the same eyes as God can is a different question. But this is the church that God sees. But why ask the question? Why think, why reflect on this idea of how does God see the church? What is the church that God sees? Here's why. Because when we grasp and understand God's vision and God's heart for the church, then we understand who we're called to be and what we're called to do. When we grasp how God sees the church and when we gain his perspective and we see through heaven's lenses, we understand who we're called to be and what we're called to do. Now, practically speaking tonight, how do we become the church that God sees? How do we become the church that God sees? I don't know about you, but sometimes when we read those things in Scripture, and actually even though we went through a quick list, there's still a lot of heavy concepts there. I mean, Scripture really paints the church as victorious, as this Holy Spirit-empowered juggernaut going through the ages, changing history, changing nations, changing cities and lives as it goes. But do you ever sometimes read scripture? And this message will apply in two planes tonight. It will apply to us individually and it will apply to us as a church corporately here tonight as Carrick Church of the Nazarene. But do you sometimes read scripture 
whether it's about us as individual believers or about us as the church and sometimes feel like there's a disconnect. That, that sometimes what we experience in church life isn't always what we see in scripture. Sometimes in our own lives, we, we look at how followers of Jesus lived in the Bible and we, we sometimes feel like there's, a, there's what I said there was that disconnect, that there's some kind of distance, that, that we're missing something. And as one of your pastors, I'm going to be honest with you and say tonight, do you ever feel like we go through seasons and it's like, just oh, we're, we're missing something? That, that we come very close to the line of God doing something and yet it's like we, there's just that one step we don't quite take. Or, that, or there's that short distance that we, we don't quite make. And it's like there's this disconnect between the church that God sees and the church that we are in a particular season. I want to preface or prefix everything that I'm going to say tonight with, with this. Is I've obviously have friends and things. Some are in ministry, some aren't. Some aren't even saved. And a lot of them are asking me because I'm, I'm still quite new. You know, how are you getting on in, in your new work and, and how are you finding the church? Are you settling in? And the one thing that I find myself saying first is this. They're all awful. <laughs> no, I'm joking. No. The first thing I say is this. This is a church... And genuinely, and I mean this, this is a church with a soft heart. And it's a church that is responsive to God. And one of the first ways that that was so evident to me was something that was actually very new to me, and that was altar time. That, that we in this church have a DNA and a culture of being willing to respond to God. And this is a side note, but that's something worth defending. And that's something worth stewarding and looking after and nurturing into something even more beautiful. But how do we become the church that God says? How do we become what we read about in Scripture? That glorious, powerful, holy church. We're going to find out tonight in Revelation 2. And it's a moment where John the Revelator, John the Beloved, John the Apostle, same man, same guy, he's on the island of Patmos, and he receives prophetic vision from the Holy Spirit. And while this is, and this is the beautiful thing about the seven churches of Revelation, we're only looking at one tonight, you'll be grateful to know. But the beautiful thing is, yes, it applied to a church in real time, a real church that actually existed. But this is one of those scriptures that it applies to so many churches in this day and every day since this was written. So not only is this scripture about the church then, it's about the church now. And that's the beauty of the scripture of Revelation. But this is what the Holy Spirit says to John. So we're going to read through this and we're going to discover together how we become the church that God sees, how we become the followers of Jesus that God sees. This is what the scripture says. Holy Spirit speaking to John. Write this letter to the angel of the church of Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles, but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But, do you ever get that in a conversation? You're like, oh dear. <laughs> but, I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. 
If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. And we'll skip to verse 7. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. First way, first key to becoming the church that God sees is this. We have to have revelation conversation with God. We have to have revelation conversation with God. And what happens is the Holy Spirit begins to engage with this church specifically, begins to engage with this church prophetically, and has a revelation conversation. And what it is basically is this, and we'll find that God does this, that he starts with this, this is what you're doing well, church. You're strong in this. Paul writes the same way, keep going, but I have this against you. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever been in a conversation where the word but is thrown into the middle of it and you think, here we go, right? See, when I was little, on a Friday after school, we used to live in Clock, deep, deep in County Down, and after we were finished school, this is when I was in primary school, uh, usually the routine was, our family routine was that we would get picked up from school on a Friday at three o'clock, and we would go toward Belfast where my granny and granda lived. And we fell for this trap every time. We'd all pile up in the car, and we're thinking, brilliant, we're going to granny and granda's, going to get a chippy, buzzing, tonight's going to be a good night, right? And on the way there, without fail, we are passing through Sainfield, and mum would always say, we're going to go to Granny and Grandas today, we're going to get a chippy, yes, tick, but we'll have to go to Farside Shopping Centre, ah, right? That was agony to our ears at that age. I don't know how many times, if you blindfolded me, I could take you around Farside Shopping Centre that easily. Every Friday through primary school, we were dragged around the shopping centre in East Belfast, so, so often. And it was always those conversations. We're doing this. You're doing well. Brilliant. But, and then here comes the other side of the news. It takes a brave church. It takes a humble church. And it takes a courageous church to be willing to have revelation conversation with the Holy Spirit. Where sometimes we as a, as a body need to open our hearts and say to the Lord, Father, point out in things where we're going wrong. And sometimes they're not easy conversations. And when we open our hearts to the Lord in that way, what we'll find is what we just read is that we'll find the Lord saying, you're doing well in this, keep going. God bless you. But, and then what he'll do is he'll point out things in our lives. He'll point out things together in us corporately that we need to change but only brave, courageous, and humble churches are willing to do that, to open themselves to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, let's have a revelation conversation. And what becomes evident in this church in Ephesus is that they're not quite the church that God sees. They're not quite the church that God wants them to be or quite the church that God, want, that God desires them to be. And so he begins to take them through this process of things that they need to look at, things they need to open their heart to so they can return to being the church that God sees. The first thing is this, and this is often the first thing that when the Holy Spirit, we invite him to come and have those revelation conversations happen is this. He invites us to come and to talk about repentance. That's a huge one. He invites us to come and talk about repentance. This is what verse five says. Look how far you have fallen. 
Turn back to me and do what you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the other churches. See, was it that this church in Ephesus was going way off the rails, that they're, they're preaching heresy week in, week out, that they're worshiping somebody who's not Jesus, things are a mess and things aren't good? No. It's not even that this church is wholly disobedient. Not at all. In fact, like we said, like I see, the Lord actually kind of acclaims them for the good stuff that they're doing. And so it's not necessarily that he's scolding this church, but there were still some things within them. There were still some things within them corporately as a body that God was trying to highlight. God was trying to say, guys, you've got to get a grip of this. Guys, you've, you've got to get a hold of this to be the church that I see. And these are sometimes very uncomfortable conversations. I call it comfort versus confront. It can be very easy in church life. It can be very easy in our lives following Jesus to slip into a life of comfort where we go through the rhythms, we go through the routines, we do the Bible thing, we do the church thing, we do the Bible study thing, and yet we just become comfortable. But we have to be open for seasons where we say, God, confront us about what we need confronted about. God, take us out of our comfort and God, confront us for the sake of the kingdom and for the sake of our relationship with you. Repentance is an unbelievably beautiful thing. Repentance is an unbelievably holy thing. And I think sometimes over the years, and sometimes it comes very convoluted in, in, in certain seasons and styles that the church comes through where it gets attached to fire and brimstone. And we, we imagine maybe years back of, of really, really harsh teaching that involved the word repent. But repentance is a beautiful invitation from God, just like that scripture said, to turn back to him in certain ways of our life. See, often when we think about repentance, we go, to, we go straight to the big sins, don't we? And when we talk about repentance in our individual lives or we talk about repentance in the church, we just go to the major stuff. We go to the, the, the big scandal things that, that actually God's, God's not actually pointing at at all. But sometimes it's the little things. It's the subtle things that we need to repent of. See, this church in Ephesus had all their doctrine, right? This church in Ephesus on the outside were preaching everything, right? They were doing everything, right? On their statement of beliefs, everything was ship shape. But this is what the Lord charged them with. You don't love me like you did at first. You don't love each other like you did at first. Other versions of the scripture say that you have lost your first love or you have abandoned your first love. And what the Lord is saying is out of all this church stuff that you're doing, you've forgotten about me. And I wonder and I hope that that went straight to the heart in that church of Ephesus. That out of all the church stuff, they forgot their first love. Have you ever been there? I know I have. I have been there before where we get so busy doing stuff for God that we lose him as our first love, that we forget about him as our first love. And it is these kind of things, guys, that God calls us to repent of. It's these kind of things that God says, you need to repent and turn back to where you were living a life where I was your first love, where I was your true love. God does this to individuals, confronts them in repentance, and he also does it corporately. In 2 Samuel 12, David, in his comfort, gets confronted by Nathan. And then in Judges 10, Israel gets confronted by God himself. Where they are comfortable and they are settled where they are, they think everything's going okay, and yet God confronts them and says, 
you need to repent of this. Whatever it is, and it was different things for David, and it was something different for the people of Israel and Judges, but the Lord's point was this, you've got to repent of this. And the beautiful response to this confrontation was this, that God's people and David as the individual, they both repented. They both turned and began to walk in the way that God had them to. Now, why are we talking about repentance? Here's why. Repentance, even in the small things, oftentimes, church, God will reveal things to us to repent of that we didn't even think of. It's like I was saying, our mind immediately goes to the big things and the big sins. But sometimes there's things where the Lord just wants to say, the Lord wants to gently and lovingly confront us and say, you've got to repent of that. And it's maybe something we haven't even thought of. And my question tonight is this, if we're going to be the church that God sees, if we want to be used mightily of God, and I don't know about you, but I feel like we're building something at the minute. Have you sensed that in church recently, that there's just there's something building in the spiritual realms, that God is doing something, God seems to be restoring something. I don't know if you've sensed that, but I know I have. But repentance, believe it or not, is a part of that process. Where we as a church are brave enough and humble enough to say, Lord, have a revelation conversation with us. God, what do we need to change? God, what do we need to turn from? Even if it's small and subtle, but it might mean something huge to the Father. Lord, what do we need to change? What do we need to repent of? But this is what happens when we repent. And this is where my mouth fell open, nearly fell open when Pastor Phil was preaching this morning. What happens when we repent is this. We get revived. What happens when we repent is that we get revived. Verse five says this. If you don't repent, sorry, verse four says this. We're hopping back. But I have this complaint against you, says God. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. The one thing God points out is this, is that I'm not your first love. I am not your first love anymore. Do you know that the key to revival is finding Jesus as your first love? Pastor Philip nearly stole part of my message this morning. He said this, often when we think of revival, we immediately go to the big meetings and the big salvations and the big speakers and all the rest of it. That, that's not actually what revival is. It's often offspring of revival, but that's not what revival actually is. And God is essentially, the Holy Spirit is requiring this church to come to revival, to be revived by finding Jesus as their first love. That is what revival is. Revival is not the big crowds that we read about. Revival is not the big name speakers coming. Being revived and set alight again by the Spirit of God is not the big conference. In actual fact, being revived is Jesus becoming our first love all over again. If we want revival, church, it starts with us. If we want revival, it starts with Jesus being our first love. Is Jesus your first love tonight? Can we say that honestly? Can we ask ourselves that? Can we have that revelation conversation? Is Jesus our first love? See, revival, don't lynch me here. Revival isn't actually for the world, right? Revival's for the church because you can't revive something that's always been dead. 
You can't bring something back to life that has always been dead. Revival is about God rousing a sleeping church to become spiritually alive in him once again and to be revived in everything that he has called it to be, to become and to be and to live and to breathe as the church that he sees, to be revived. Awakening, however, is for the world. Because the world doesn't need to come back to life. It's already dead. The world needs to be awakened to the living Christ. But awakening can't come. Salvation that we've been praying for can't come. Transformation in our town can't come through awakening unless the church is revived. It's revival, then awakening. And if we really want to see God do something in this next season, if we really want to take this opportunity while it's here, while we sense that there's a space, while we sense that God is doing something, that we sense that the Holy Spirit is trying to tap, in, is trying to tap into our spirits right now, is this. We've got to be open for revival. But it begins here. It begins in us. It begins with a revelation conversation. And then it begins with repentance and asking the Holy Spirit to point things out in our lives and say, God, what do we need to change? And sometimes we get surprised by those conversations. And then it comes revival, where God revives our spirit, fills us with his Holy Spirit, and we become alive in him again. There's that scripture, Psalm 85, and it was read this morning, and, and when it was read out, that was me going, okay, this is definitely what we're talking about tonight. Psalm 85, verse 6, and I love this. Will you revive us again? That your people would rejoice in you. God, would you revive us again? That your people would rejoice in you. And the Holy Spirit is here, and he's willing to revive us. It's like what Pastor Phil was saying this morning. We want to be revived. We want to enter into this season where God is going to turn us around. Before he's going to change character, he needs to change the church first, right? If we're being honest, before he needs to change character, he needs to change the church. Before we want to see our families change, he wants to change us. Before he wants to see our workplaces change, he wants to change us. If we could grasp tonight to have the revelation conversation with God, if we could grasp tonight that there are things in all of our lives and all of our churches that we need to repent before God of, he's going to revive us. But it begins with repentance and then it's followed by revival. I love this statement from a minister from London called Colin Dyan. It says this, to acknowledge the need of revival is to accept that something's wrong, very wrong. You need to begin with God's diagnosis of your life. The plain truth is that if you are not as close to Christ today as you have ever been, then you're backslidden. Isn't that challenging? you're not as close to Christ today as you've ever been and you're backslidden. And if you're not closer to Jesus than you've ever been, then at the very least, you're standing still. Let me ask you a personal question. Are you closer to Jesus than you have ever been? Or is there some coldness in your heart, some spiritual sleepiness hanging over your life? Is your heart beating today with more passion for the Lord than you've ever had. If not, then you need revival. If not, then you need revival. If we want to be the church that God sees, if we want to step into everything that he has for us, we need revival. And revival is not found in the tent. Revival is not found in a thousand-seater conference center. It's not found at a worship night. It's not found at a concert. Revival is found in the heart. It begins with us. That God would revive 
our spirits to him. Things follow in revival is this. Prayer brings revival, but revival brings prayer, right? Prayer brings revival, but revival brings prayer. Revival is followed by worship. People who worship in spirit and the truth on the God. Revival happens when there is a hungerness for holiness in God's church again. Revival is all these things, but revival starts here. And I also want to say this. God is the God of process, not events. What I mean by that is this. Sometimes we expect to have one amazing meeting and then revival is going to break out and all the problems are fixed and everything's solved and everything's great and nothing bad ever happens again. God brings us to a place of revival through process, not events. Not a one-off service, not a one-off night where everything just seems to click. And sometimes, don't get me wrong, God moves in those moments and it is incredible when we receive that visitation from the Lord. But God is the God of process, not only the God of events. And so we've got to embrace this process, church, that God is taking us on of revival conversation, of repentance from things we've got to repent of, of revival and reviving our spirits. And here's the last thing. With revival comes restoration. With revival comes restoration. Remember I said at the beginning that sometimes you ever read scripture for us as individual believers and sometimes we read scripture for us as a church and we go, there's that disconnect. That sometimes we don't always see what we see in scripture is not always what we would like to see played out today. I had a lecture in Bible college, lovely, lovely man of God, really gracious man of God, really holy man. He was a former Presbyterian minister and he said he was, he was in this church for, for a lot of years and he said he would read scripture, particularly books like the book of Acts. And he said, God, why do I read this here? And yet I'm not seeing this in my church right now. God, God, why do I see this here and yet I don't see this in my church right now? And within him grew this holy discontentment that said, this is not where we're meant to stop. It's okay where we are, but we're not meant to stay here. He knew that his church was going good. It was a good season, but he knew God was calling him not to stay here. He knew that there was more. He knew that God had more for them, deeper things of God, greater things to be used of. Jesus says that you'll be, you, you'll be do greater things than I ever did. And God is calling us to be the church that God sees. But are we going to have that holy discontentment to say, God, there's more? God, there is more than what we're seeing. God, there's more than what we're experiencing. When revival comes in us, he restores. He restores that first love. But importantly, he restores the capacity for the church to do things that it currently can't do. He restores a capacity for the church to do things. He will restore a capacity for you to do things in the Holy Spirit that you can't do. I'd like to speak over this house, this, that if we would go through this process that I believe the Lord is taking us on, this revelation conversation, acts of repentance, receiving revival, and then receiving restoration, I, with my whole heart, believe, and I've been praying into this for a while, that God is going to restore the years the locusts have eaten. That the years of our house, that we feel that maybe some years have gone missing, we maybe feel that the locusts have taken some of it, I believe wholeheartedly if we embrace this process that we find in Revelation 2, that God is going to restore the years the locusts have eaten.
Maybe that applies to you as an individual tonight that you feel that you have lost years. Or that you have people in your family or your friends who know that they have lost years, whatever that may look like. My prayer for you tonight is this, is that the Lord would restore those years. And that we as a church, and I don't know what it is, by the way, I don't, I'm not up here with the answers tonight. That whatever the Lord wants to restore to this building, sorry, whatever the Lord, I got that theology wrong, that whatever the Lord wants to restore to his people, that he would restore it. Let's embrace this process of revelation to repent unto revival that the Lord might restore. Amen? Band, would you come up? This always gives people hope that it's about the end. And I really mean that tonight from Joel too, that, that the Lord would restore things, and maybe that does apply to you tonight, that the Lord would restore. If somebody could play to help me sound extra spiritual, I'm joking, but do play. I really believe that the Lord wants to restore things that were lost that the Lord wants to bring us into a new season of revelation, repentance, revival, and restoration. But I, I had this word uh, at Northbreak. Some of you may or may not remember it when I was there. And um, the prophetic side of things wouldn't be my, my first or primary gift or anything, but, but sometimes I would, I would feel it expressed or the unction. And the word was, was, was this. It was from Genesis 26, and it was where Isaac, Isaac digs up the old wells that his father Abraham had dug. He had accessed the old wells of blessing and the old wells that brought revival to God's people and brought nourishment and brought fresh water. That Isaac went back and dug up the old wells and he did a second thing. He went and then he dug new wells to bless God's people. And when I spoke this originally, it was spoke over, I believe, our whole district. I believe it was a word for the church of the Nazarene in this season and in this time, that the Lord is calling us to dig new wells, yes. That God wants to do new things in us. That this is a new time, this is a new place that he's taking us to. But some things we have to go back and retrieve the old thing. Some things we have to go back and retrieve values which we once held dear. Sometimes we have to go back and retrieve and dig up old wells of teaching that we once clung to. Maybe for you tonight, before you get a new thing from God, you have to go back to the old well and listen to what he said to you originally. The words that the enemy, just like he did to the well, tried to cover them up. I believe God wants us to dig out the old wells, to retrieve some things from the past, some blessings that God has for us to receive some restoration in that area. But I also believe that God wants us to take us into a new thing, but I think they're gonna go hand in hand. That we're gonna dig into the old wells and then we're gonna dig some new wells, just like Isaac did. So, do you wanna be the church that God sees? Do you wanna be the church that God sees? Come on, yes, will you stand with me? We're gonna pray. So tonight we read through, this is the church that God sees. This is the church that God has called us to be. And sometimes we stand back and we go, whoa, God, that sounds like a big deal. That sounds like a big plan. I don't know if we can hack it. But I believe not through event, not through one great service, but through the process and through the journey of following God together, that he will bring us to the place that we will become the church that he sees. But tonight I hope that you would commit to me, 
Commit with me, sorry. Commit alongside me that we would go on this process and this journey of having revelation conversations with the Lord, of stepping into repentance of where we need to step into repentance, that we could then enter into revival both personally and corporately, and then that the Lord would restore the things that are missing. Revelation, repent. Revival, restore. Revelation, repent. Revival, restore. We follow this. We're going to become the church that God sees. Will we pray? Say, Father, we thank you for another Sunday in your house. We thank you, God, that we're called not to stay where we are, not to be in comfort, but Father, Lord, we invite you tonight to come and confront us. Father God, tonight we invite you, Lord, to come and point out the things that we need to change. Father, through revelation conversation, Lord, reveal the things that we need to repent of. Help us to have open and soft hearts to receive this, that, Lord, we would repent of the things that are breaking your heart. Father God, I pray that you would revive us tonight, that, Lord, we would be revived in you, that, Lord, you would be our first love, that nothing else and no one else would matter more than you do, and that would be evident in our lives and evident in our worship. And Lord, I pray over this house, God, you would restore. That God, you would restore the years that the locusts have eaten. And Father, we ask that, God, for personal things tonight, God. For God, in our own personal lives, Lord, years that we thought we've lost, years that we thought didn't count, years that we thought didn't matter. Father, God, I pray that you would restore them in victory and in glory. Father, we want to be the church that you see. We want to be the church that you've called us to be for your glory and for the sake of our town and for the sake of our nation. God, give us revelation. Lead us to repent. Take us to revival and bring us to restoration. And the church said, Amen.